Think of a time when you experienced a conversation that left you with a new perspective or perhaps an inquiry, or you might have felt that something has shifted in you after that conversation. Maybe it helped you gain a new level of clarity or moved you to take action. That was a coaching conversation. Hello and welcome to the Coaching Conversation. This is your host, Salah Lethi. I am uh, thrilled to have with me today one of the very first people that I learned Agile from, good friend and uh, mentor and uh, someone that I highly respect in the Agile space, Ahmed Sutki. Um, Hi, Salah. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. Thank you for also, having me. Also known as uh, Dr. Agile, I have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> this is the part you're going to cut, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. So, so yeah, Ahmed, you've been in this uh, agile space for a long time. You're one of the influencers in this uh, space. You're also credited by this idea of the agile mindset. So before I get into that and just explore that a little bit, how, how did you get to this point? Like what's, what has been your journey like? I know you've Probably a lot of people heard this, but yeah, uh, we want to. But I'll 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 go ahead essence. and give you the uh, the essence of it. I'll bottom line it. Um, so the, the my journey basically, I I started as a software developer actually at a very young age. Um, my dad had a software company, and I fiddled around starting to code at at, at a pretty young age. Um, and then uh, life went on, and uh, you know, I uh, I started leading teams, doing this, doing that, and then I decided to do my graduate studies and. I've been, I, I did my undergrad in computer science. So I'm like, let me just do my graduate studies in, in computer science. And so uh, as I pursued that journey, I, I did my master's in, in requirements engineering. And actually we had a, a, a roadmap to continue my PhD in the same topic. And uh, I'll tell you this a lot. It, it hurt me. It really, really hurt me. The reason it hurt me is as I got deeper and deeper into it, it was uh, just so far from reality. Having, you know, grown up in the industry, literally, I was like, this is a bunch of, you know, I don't want you to bleep stuff out. So, <laughs> but, but it was, it was just, it wasn't connecting with, me. it wasn't resonating mm -hmm. with me. And this was back in 2001, 2002. Um, mm -hmm. And so I told my advisor, I, I can't, I can't, move forward with this, I need to, I need to do something different. And he said, so what do you want to do? And I said, I'd love to invent or create or discover a process that that works the way people actually work, not not just theoretical. And I remember him looking at at me and he said, good luck. I don't know if that exists. And, and I went out doing my, you know, graduate thing and researching and, and I really stumbled upon the Agile Manifesto and then, you know, started, you know, really going deep into, into XP and Scrum and, um, and fell in love with the mindset truly like just like this is a humanistic approach. It acknowledges fundamental truths that I believe it's like people don't know what they want till till they see it and experience it. Yet we, we spend so much time not doing that. It just didn't make sense to me. And then the other thing is like, we want to learn. We want to constantly learn, but we work in ways that don't encourage us to integrate what we learned. It just didn't make sense to me. So long story short, I decided to do my PhD in Agile. And uh, <laughs> that was an uphill battle because no one in my school at that time, Virginia Tech, knew what Agile was more than... This is the stuff little website people want to do and use. And no, this is not real software engineering. You mm. can't do a PhD in this. 
Uh, and it was a it was a journey. I'll never forget the dean walking into uh, one of the the milestones to do my PhD. He's like, "You have twenty minutes to convince me why this is even worth my time listening to." I don't believe in this thing. Um, and so, uh, anyway, did my PhD in this, and then uh, went out, worked at AOL a couple of years, and then really started consulting as I wanted to to really help organizations sort of see a different mindset. And a lot of, at that point in time, a lot of the agile that was being done was a lot of very tactical, very practice oriented, not mindset shift. It was, okay, we'll do two week iterations, but it was like writing requirements on sticky notes and calling it stories. Um, And it was like, and again, this was back in 2006 and 2007. So it was, it was still at the, the, you know, can't believe it's 2020 right now. Um, But anyway, that all really pushed me to really focus on this idea of it's about a culture of learning. Mm. It's about a mindset shift. There's practices, no doubt, right? But it's bigger than just the sort of process practices that we, we focus on when we think about agile. It's, it's leadership, it's, it's culture, yeah. it's everything. So that's, that's my journey. Yeah, it, it's fascinating that this has happened back in, you know, 2006. Now we are in 2020. How has it, have you seen a difference between when agile started in that time and now? Because it sounds to me like, you know, like just a story that you mentioned about you trying to convince the dean of agile that that's still happening in organizations <laughs> to some extent. So that's uh, what so have I you think, seen? I think there is a shift. I'll be honest. Like I'm, I'm really happy with where the the world is starting to see agile. And um, despite the, the 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 disastrous nature of of the COVID situation and, and the loss of lives, from an agile perspective, it has been an impetus for change for mm-hmm. for a number of organizations. I think you know the the accelerator to change for a number of organizations right now is COVID-19. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not the CTO, it's not the CEO, it's the reality of the situation. And but, but more importantly for me is more and more companies today understand that Agile is more than Scrum or XP or a bunch of practices. They mm-hmm. understand that it is a fundamental shift in how we think about business value and how we think about customers and how we think about culture and learning and, and individuals and, and management and all these things things that really encompass what I love about Agile is more accepted. So that's that's really encouraging to me. And then uh, the other thing is, no, no, I, you know, I've been on committees for many PhD students doing uh, their dissertations in Agile now. And, you know, in the academic world, in the corporate world, you know, for some, Agile is still a bad word because they've had bad experiences with them. And part of my life mission is to reclaim the good in that mm-hmm. space. And I mean, you know, um, you know, the founding of co-founding of IC Agile and, and the work we were doing there and, and with the Business Agility Institute, it's really trying to preserve what I believe is a great um, paradigm for people to operate in. Uh, but as with anything at scale, you'll have people that boil it down to things that lose its essence. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. And that's part of what I want to do in life. It's to preserve that essence. Yeah. And speaking speaking of the essence, you you were probably one of the first people who started this idea or introduced the idea of uh, mindset uh, in the Agile 
community or the, the agile space. Usually, I mean, the, the, the this podcast, I try to explore coaching and not specifically for agile, but it's but agile is is a big uh, part of this. Especially, I can't have Doctor Agile on the podcast and not <laughs> talk about agile. <laughs> but but I I like the idea of mindset because it talks about the growth and fixed and how that relates to agile. So uh, can can you um, say more about that like how did you how did you come up with this idea of mindset and uh, how did you uh, start introducing it to the agile world and to organizations yeah. so when i when i first got into agile i was struggling as people that didn't know what agile was asked me what is agile mm-hmm. <laughs> and i i struggled because i know it's not a process right? Many people called it a methodology at that point, the agile methodology and so forth. And um, maybe that's true. But for me, it was a lot more. It was, it was a paradigm shift. It was a shift in the way you see things. And I think that was, that, that's what motivated the word mindset for me. And thank God I wasn't the only one talking about this at that point in time. You know, I, you know, I know Linda Rising was at that point also talking about uh, a mindset. And so it was a bunch of us that were like, no, this is, this is deeper, right? This is not about the, the tools and the, 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 the practices. It's about an orientation. It's about a way of thinking. And the way of thinking for me it, it is grounded in this culture of learning, right? Hence the, the whole fixed and growth mindset, the work of Carol Dweck. And it was just like this, feeling inside of me is like, if people understood it, and part of my, I guess, motivation was the work of Carol Dweck, talking about one of the most important pieces of helping people develop a growth mindset is the awareness that there are multiple mindsets, that there is a fixed and there is a growth. And and that really was like, wait a minute. So by, you know, extension, if people understand that there's an agile mindset and a non-agile mindset, by the mere definition of that, that could help move people to be more self-aware of when they exhibit behaviors that are aligned with a growth or learning mindset versus those where the way I articulate it is the fixed mindset is this, the fear of learning because I don't want to be wrong, right? and extrapolate that across how we build software and how we run businesses and how we take risks and how we run experiments versus no, because I don't know, I want to run more experiments quickly, right? That's, a, that's, that's not a tactical change. That's a paradigm shift. That's I see the world in two different ways. And so, and then once I see it in this new way, yes, give me now the tools and the practices to help me uh, sustain that, right? Um, so that, that's always how I've seen it, but it really started the, the impetus for it was like, I don't know how to explain this to people because of how I saw it and, and what it did to me. Yeah. And I, I think you mentioned earlier, uh, this idea about culture and learning and trying to introduce it or bring that essence of mindset can shift the conversation on what do we need to do to like, how, how do we want to be as, yep. as a company or as even, I mean, at the individual level, that's still relevant because I think that's the unit of any company is a person, right? And that's yes. where they start to 
uh, the learning journey. And so I know you've you wear many hats. You are uh, the IC Agile founder. You are you work in uh, Riot Games as the head of the business agility, and uh, you're involved in 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 business agility institutes. So so many different areas. And so what's the theme in in these different roles? Where do you see the like overlap and yeah. like contribute to your mission, as you said? Great great question. And 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 I'll take the opportunity to also explain maybe why I wear these many hats. So let's start with with IC Agile actually. So when when IC Agile was was founded the the main mission there was as more and more organizations will start to look at agile we want to make sure that people understand what do they need to learn right to number one, realize this new mindset that we're talking about, but more importantly, also build the competency necessary to to operate in this new paradigm, right? And so when Alistair uh, and myself and, and others founded IC Agile, that was really the, the impetus. It's how do we articulate the, the set of learnings from a methodology neutral perspective? Because the, the only thing at that point was around Scrum, Scrum, Scrum. Um, and not that Scrum is, is good or bad, it's just Agile is beyond that. But most of the learning was heavily around a methodology. Just like today, there's Safe, there's Scrum, there's, you know, um, Less, et cetera, Dad, you know, all of those, those are, are really good if you want to learn the methodology. But if you want to learn more about agility as a whole, that's where I think the mission of IC Agile came to light. So if, if you're connecting the dots for me as a person, so that sort of, and I'm a very passionate person about education in general. And I remember a conversation with uh, the late David Hussman, who was uh, at one point also uh, working with Alistair and, and myself around starting uh, IC Agile. And I remember one day complaining to him about the certification and learning space. And I remember him telling me, stop complaining, either do something about it or stop complaining. Mm. And I remember, you know what? I'm going to do something about it, right? And that that's really where the, the start. But but that's, that's the that's a good advice. Theme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many people that complain about stuff, but okay. Mm. Um, are you gonna are you gonna be part of the problem or part of the solution? Mm. Right. So for me, it was all right. I want to do something about this, but that was a that was a huge undertaking, like to establish an accreditation body, uh, and and the what we wanted to do is. It's not about, because it wasn't about a methodology, it was sort of who are the experts in the community around these different, um, you know, different domains of agility, mm -hmm. the coaching, the development and so forth, and then bring them together and let's articulate together and create something that the world can benefit from. So that's the, that's the IC Agile story. Um, when Evan and I co-founded the Business Agility Institute, it was very similar impetus, which is Agile is more than just IT. It's more than mm. just development, similar to how Agile was more than just Scrum at that point. It's more than just IT. This applies across the business. How are we going to get that message out there, right? Yeah. Let's, let's talk to more people. Let's have conferences. Let's develop content. Let's bring leaders together. And so, um, so that's sort of been a life journey for me. It's, okay, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm going to do something about it. And I've been extremely fortunate to partner with amazing people throughout my career. So why Riot Games? I think that's that's another thing. Like, okay, just being involved with IC Agile and BAI easily could consume all my time. Why Riot Games? Ah, oh, many reasons. One. When I first got introduced to Riot Games, and, and for those who don't know Riot Games, I highly encourage you to, to read more about it. 
I was mesmerized by the founders. For the past sort of, I think at that point, almost eight or nine years, I've been consulting with companies, helping them and trying to help leaders really understand this paradigm shift, this mindset shift. And I met two amazing individuals, Brandon Beck and Mark Merrill, who got it, who were running a large organization, doing amazing things in the world, and really, really understood it, understood the essence, and were trying to truly build an agile organization um, from scratch. And at that point in time, very few companies, very few CEOs and founders of companies really got what this is about. Um, they, they got it, they understood it, and they were, were operating it. And so when they approached me. They were just one of my clients, really, uh, at that point. And, and when they approached me, I don't know if I've ever said this story on camera, but we'll go ahead and, and say it. But I, I did a consulting so on, gig on with record, them. On, on record, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I was contracted to do this engagement with them. And I'll tell you this, it went really, really south. It mm. went really bad. And it wasn't due to lack of preparation or anything, but it was, we took a really bold risk, right? And it just didn't pan out. And as a consultant, I thought that was it. It's over, right? Why would they, why would they, that's when they asked me to join. And I'm like, what? Why would you ask me to join with this huge investment? You know, it just didn't pan out. It failed. And they said, because you took a risk and, and we wanted people that will take a risk. And even in that, you know, engagement, it got better over time. So you learned and, and you adapted and, and that's awesome. That's what we want. We want to hire leaders that are entrepreneurial in nature and, and they want to do this. Mm. And and at that point, for me, it was um, I wanted to always maintain like my hand in in the machine, right? Mm. Um, it's really easy as a consultant or uh, to get removed from mm. from reality. And for me, at that point, I was also really just t dipping my toes into not just agile for technology or for delivery but what it means to run an agile organization. Mm -hmm. And it was, and that's what they wanted me to come and do, like help us grow and maintain our agility as we scale and grow and help us run it as an agile business. And at that point in time, how many opportunities were there to not just hear about these stories, but be in a position to craft it. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was a no brainer for me that I want to learn. I am, I am a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. And if I am not learning, I am dying. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, um, having someone amazing to work with like Shannon Ewan for IC Agile and Evan for BAI, it really enabled me to, okay, I can go and be in the heart of what I believe is one of the greatest um, experiments of business agility at Riot mm -hmm. Games. And then very clearly when, when I joined Riot, they knew about IC Agile and, and BII and everything, and they were fine with it and even committing some of my time to it because part of their mission is we don't want this to be just the way we work. If the whole world works this way, it will be better for customers and better for players. And so yeah. there's this beautiful symbiotic relationship where I'm learning a, a ton being in it. And then those learnings are uh, finding their ways to BAI, to IC Agile. And honestly, they're, Evan and Shannon are probably running those organizations much better than I would. <laughs> I, I like what you were saying about this. I mean, the theme is coming up, as you mentioned, like this idea of learning. I mean, you're not just uh, expressing or, or explaining the Agile as a mindset. You're, you're living it. Um, 
as you do the work. And so that's one thing. The growth mindset is is constantly there. Yep. Um, and then the other thing, so one of the biggest thing I also learned from you uh, is this idea of being and doing, right? So it's not just the, the being and, and starting to look at um, just the research uh, things and how to make them better, but also experimenting with them and, and applying. So how, like a, a lot of people might think that how do you balance those things? Like not, not the three roles I'm talking about, like how do you balance the being and the doing those? Is there anything that you yeah. have found? It's, it's pretty simple in my head. The doing is in support of the being, right? The being is the essence mm. because if you are agile, right, then you can change depending on the circumstances that change around you. If you're if you're grounded in the doing, you're you're more attached to the tools and the process than the change needed at that point in time. So for me, and and interestingly, if you're just being and not doing, well, well I don't know what the hell you are, right? <laughs> but if you're doing without being, you are, for me, it's the difference between sort of knowing the depth of things and knowing just how to do things. So I can teach someone a set of steps on how to do things, but mm -hmm. for them to modify those steps, that's why, you know, also one of the things I learned from Alistair that really had an effect on me was the Shuhari um, sort of model of first you learn how to just repeat and execute on a recipe then you learn how to modify it and then you learn how to create and for me agility true agility is navigating any constraints or barriers that come between you and delivering value or delight to your customer and so to do that you need to be in the space of creating mm -hmm. creating ways of working that are suitable for your team for your environment for the business you're in like i give this example all the time at riot we ship major events like the Super Bowl and we ship software and we ship network infrastructure, we ship different things. It's not going to all be the same process, but it's all grounded in the same being agile, being flexible to navigate the circumstances around you. But if it, you can't just apply Scrum across the board to how you run the Super Bowl, for example. No, there is a fixed date and you will ship. And the scope is known up front because there's a massive production, you know. But all that, and again, you know, the, the intricacies of this really goes back to it's about both, but one is in service of the other. It is in essence, the agility, the biggest bang you're going to get for your agile buck is in the being, but then you have to do the doing to manifest that. Being. Yeah. It's almost like, um, I, I like to think metaphors help clarify things, but it, it's almost like, you know, the, this idea of having some sort of a, a direction uh, around where you're going as you're as a being and the doing is just kind of how to get there can vary is navigating it. Yes you know, using different routes. Uh, yep. If you would talk about like a navigation or yep. so, so that when that, I, when I used to coach teams, I used to tell them that I coached teams and then, you know, had to go to do other teams and, and other companies. I said, you know, if I came back whenever, you know, two, three weeks, four weeks, um, and, and you're still doing what you're doing, then and you didn't change anything, then you're not being agile, right? Mm -hmm. If you're following that recipe, and again, this was a more mature team. My expectation of a, of a mature agile team is that you're experimenting. You're trying different ways of working and you're always that continuous improvement engine is always on. It's uh, it's like being stuck in traffic. If you, if you're, <laughs> you know, you're I just... live in LA, so I understand <laughs> that, yes. 
there's no way to uh, to move forward. And it's yeah. if you're not thinking about different routes to take or different ways of how to get there, then yeah, like you said, you're not learning. You're not. You're just uh, repeating the same thing and and yeah. uh, not being agile uh, in a, in a even in the uh, dictionary definition of the word, not just the agile as the the software um, development as we know it. Uh, so. So that's the, the, the balance being and doing is usually goes into a lot of different debates around, okay, we have to do things and then we have to be. And then, like you said, if we're constantly just focused on the being, then nothing, then we nothing don't get anything done, done right? <laughs> and, we and, just and, and if you focus just on the doing, you may get yeah. things done the wrong way or you miss massive opportunity. Yeah. So you've you've written a book early in your journey. It was actually becoming agile. I like this word a lot, the, the, the word becoming, because it's it's not just the being and the doing, but it's also as you are balancing those two things, you're becoming. You know, yeah. it's almost like you're you're iterating uh, not just on the work, but on you, your version, the version of yourself is, is iterating. So, 100%. And, and so becoming, what was that, the, the kind of the impetus behind this uh, book, the, the writing of this book? Yeah. So um, this was with, uh, with Greg Smith. And basically the, the, the whole title is Becoming Agile in an Imperfect World, mm. right? So that, that was a lot of the, also the impetus is the, it's the reality. It's the imperfect world that we live in. Yes, great. Um, we read things in, in agile books that sound great. Let's do it. But there's a reality, right? And part of, part of change is meeting people where they are and taking them on that journey, right? I think um, sometimes we're too harsh and we expect people to already be on the journey. And why aren't you joining so fast? Why aren't you changing so fast? And yet it may have taken us years to actually come on that journey ourselves. So I think what we wanted to do with the book is a couple of things. One, give people a practical aspect to things. So again, I look at the book today and there may be a lot of things I want to change as I've learned a ton in what the 12 years since it's been published. But at that time, it was really almost a book that provided a journey for people, right? How to, uh, understanding what the mindset is, understanding what the, the Agile Manifesto really meant, because it wasn't those words on, on the paper. It was, there was a deeper um, meaning and mindset shift behind those. And, and we really wanted to emphasize those. How do you assess what you can or can't do? There are very real constraints on the agility of an organization, right? Um, funding models, you know, the, the buy-in, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And if you try to do too much, that's where a lot of companies had a really bad taste from Agile and Agile is the A word. It's a bad word mm. because there's a change capacity. There's an understanding for change. And if you overload that, um, the implications are pretty negative actually, right? Yeah. And so even, okay, you can't adopt user stories fully. Here's a different alternative. So it was all about these things that you can do to sort of bridge the gap and understand what your true capability for mm -hmm. change and, and for Jill, not to, to dampen the aspiration, but to, to enable inspiration to, to actually take a step forward and that it is possible to become agile even in an imperfect world. Yeah, it's, are we ready? I know we've, you had also like in the past worked on something called Ready for Agile. We, we yep. kind of worked on it together. And then it's the idea, like what, 
what are we ready for right now, right? What's the, what can we start with uh, rather than just, you know, kind of like overwhelming yeah. the, the system? The, the, I mean, even at the personal level, if we think about how we change as people, uh, too many changes can get us stuck, like uh, yes. overwhelm us and, and we don't really know how to focus. Um, so, so when you work with a company or even in your role, how do you know the team or the uh, company is ready for change? So there's several dimensions of this and I'll try to not ramble for a long time. But number one, resistance for me is an indicator, right? So I believe that there is an alignment that needs to happen between education and systems. So if you look at an individual, they have their values, beliefs, you know, mindset, whatever, you know, and then they live in an ecosystem that explicitly or implicitly promotes certain values, beliefs, mindsets, ways of working, right? Now you come and you want to change both, right? You want to change the individual mindset and you want to change the way they work. Great, noble, noble cause. But here's where we need to, uh, I guess, be aware as change agents, right? When I look at readiness, I look at what is the level of resistance that I'm getting, right? And part of that could be, yes, there will be people that will just not be ready to go on this journey, right? And, and you need to weed them out. But when the overwhelming majority is resistant or there's too much skepticism, what that tells me is we haven't done our work in being ready first, whether that's being educating, right? Inspiring, explaining, showing the difference, explaining our choice, why we are going with this choice versus other choices. And what were our other choices, right? Are we doing agile because everyone else is doing it? Are, are we trying to change, you know, our cadence or our funding model or how, whatever it is, whatever we're trying to do, why, right? People want to understand the why, right? And way too often we jump right into the how without explaining the why or the what. Um, again, Simon Sinek stuff, but it's really, so, so, one, so one indicator is resistance, right? Mm. When I see resistance, that tells me, it's like, wait a minute, have I not invested enough in, in that? And I'll tell you something, Salah, it takes a lot of touch time, mm. right? It takes a lot of one-on-one -on -one individual discussions. And way too often, what I see um, leaders and in, in the higher you go up the chain there, their most valuable resource is time. And so mm -hmm. it is much easier to stand at a podium or record a video and say, here's what we're going to do and go do it, right? That's not what we're talking about. When, when we want to change hearts and minds, it does require like it's the labor of love, right? You mm -hmm. got to sit down, talk with people. Now I'm not asking a, a, a C level to go and talk to everyone, but talk to your next level, right? Yeah. Talk to your next level and maybe a skip level and invest time because if you win them, they will model the desired behavior and, and they will be on board. They will be your biggest advocate. Mm -hmm. But if you compel them, right? And it's just, okay, we want to see compliance. You're not, you're not going to get the size of change we want to talk about when we talk about agile so that's so that's one thing it's education right and it's it's that's where coaching comes into play and and mentoring and all that kind of stuff the second you may do all that and there's still resistance you're still not ready because the systems that you have in place are motivating or enabling a different behavior. So you're going against the grain of the organization, right? And that's where the, the, the doing part or the other tactical part. But the interesting part is there's a lot of hidden systems that, so, it's, so you want people to collaborate, but you have a, a, a compensation model 
that is not actually encouraging collaboration. It's encouraging individual performance. And sometimes the goal setting mechanism in your organization does not actually play to joint goals. It plays to individual goals. So how do you expect someone to truly change the way they work to collaborate when they're incentivized not to, mm, yeah. right? So, so all that to say, Readiness is a really complex topic. Mm-hmm. Um, Ready for Agile was an attempt to do that. Becoming Agile, the book has some uh, assessment matrices to, to look through. But at the end of the day, those are probably outdated, uh, or I've at least you know uh, developed beyond that. It's it's really to understand. Don't be too harsh on people when you don't see them change. Understand, mm-hmm. sort of take a total ownership perspective. Like, what have you not done? right? As a leader, I have not invested enough in educating, in explaining, right? I have not actually changed the systems that encourage a different behavior. And those are things within my scope of authority as a leader. Yeah, that is definitely a meaty topic that maybe we can uh, talk about in a future uh, podcast. But, um, you know, you remind me of this story uh, that that's actually, I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but uh, this is something that we were uh, discussing years ago and, and kind of we were sitting together and I'm I told you about like something that I want to do and I and then you just uh, like looked at me and said, you know, so what's stopping you? So it's in in an essence what you're saying is like, you know, the leaders have to find out what's stopping the people from being ready. Most of the time, um, there is this traditional leadership that says, go bring me solutions, don't bring me problems, right? So if people are not safe to uh, bring up the problems, then you know, we're never going to be able to fix, clear those blockers or impediments. Um, in coaching, the, the language sometimes we, we say, like, you try to bring more conscious or raise the level of consciousness in the system. And if people are not conscious of what's preventing them or stopping them from moving forward, then how are you as a leader going to know that? Um, so that is that is very that's a really rich topic. <laughs> I agree. And, and uh, maybe we can uh, you know spend more time at some point talking about it. So, so this idea of readiness is something that that you talk about, like, you know, in terms of, you know, education, finding what's going on in the system, finding what's going on with the people. Um, Is there anything else that you would point us to look at? You know, you you mentioned something about like hidden things that are hidden um, Mm -hmm. beyond that, uh, what's seen. Is there any way to to surface those hidden? Be very curious. (laughs) <laughs> be be authentically and genuinely curious mm. as to why we are usually very quick to be judgmental. This person is this, they're not on board, they're jeopardizing the change, they are just in their best interest. And I say, be genuinely curious. Wait a minute, it's a good person. Why aren't they changing their behavior, right? And if you're genuinely curious, you will uncover those hidden systems mm. um, and you have to ask and you have to, you have to like genuinely be interested in the well-being of people. Mm. Uh, and, and, and this is not kumbaya, foo-foo stuff. You boil an organization down to its humans, right? You boil it down. It is a group of humans starting from the CEO down to, to, you know, the newest recruit. They're humans and humans are complex beautiful creatures that don't respond really well to to coercing, right? 
But if you are, as a change agent, as a leader, are genuinely find the good intent in people and, and be curious about when you see behaviors that are not aligned with where you want them to go and, um, and all that is like, dig deeper, like ask, sit down, invest the time, follow the thread, right? And by the way, if you ask enough people, you sit down with enough people, they're obvious. Like the faults in our systems are actually quite obvious. To, yeah. your, to the point you said, just people don't want to bring them up because they're tired of bringing them up and no change has happened. Some are fearful of bringing them up because of what they've seen for others that have brought them up, right? And what happened to them. So it's just like, and honestly, a lot of them are, don't bring them up because they don't feel there's any hope, right? So you start to show people hope that, you know what, I'm going to listen and we're going to actually make some change here and you'll find a lot more people speaking up but rely um, you're not going to know the hidden systems of every organization and the what i call the organizational habits right Mm. like the 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 muscle memory of what people do because this is how they know to get it done you as a leader you're not going to know all of them but all you have to do is is uh, is be a good leader be a a human-centric leader listen ask people be curious and you'll find those hidden challenges and then solve them, solve them. Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot of curiosity, as you said, and uh, uh, a lot of caring. But I'll tell you something, Salah, we're in a culture that just, we don't give enough time and space for things to happen, right? We want mm. we want it now, we want it quickly. And the, the collective intelligence that we want to see from our organizations and from our teams take time and space to, to flourish. And we don't mm. give it. I can't, I can't tell you how many times I, I work mostly with executives. And so it is, it is pulling teeth to get time and space from them, right? But that is, that is one of my charters. Like, no, we will spend, you know, the time on this. And every time we do that, the outcome is better. Mm -hmm. And my hope, my little dent in the world is hopefully these leaders will see that by spending that time and space, even though they resisted it, they will start to spend more time and space with their their teams and and therefore bring out the best in others. Um, that's and again, just to, to wrap it up, I know we're at time here, but it it this goes back to learning. You know, yeah. what do you want to learn? What do you want? You want to learn about what what bothers people. You need to learn how to change yourself, how to grow yourself. Um, learning is a central theme for me personally, and and I'm very grateful to be in the roles I'm in um, as I'm learning and helping others learn. Yeah, it's it's a lot of lessons from uh, from this conversation. I wish we have time to keep going. <laughs> I think this is a good place to uh, wrap it up and uh, be curious, be a lifelong learner and care for for the people's well-being and, and give yeah. them space to to allow the learning to, to emerge. Anything else you want to leave us with? Just uh, enjoy it. It's a, it's a beautiful journey. Enjoy it. And uh, don't try to accelerate it too much. Enjoy it. Like when you plant a tree, um, it, may, it may spend a long time underground building roots and you're like losing hope. It's not coming out. It's not coming out. Mm. And, 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 and you can't accelerate it and you don't want to accelerate it if you want a strong tree. Yeah. Um, and so just let yeah. it enjoy the journey. Yeah. I love that metaphor. And uh, I think this is a good place to end. Ahmed, All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Salah. It's been a pleasure uh, having you and uh, gaining a lot of insights from, from you. Uh, today thank you so and, much and for always. having me. All right. Thank you. Take care. Hey, thank you for listening. I hope this conversation gave you something to think about or take action on. Remember, take action and get clarity, then repeat.